Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It was a loaded draft night across the board, and we're very, very lucky to be joined by one of the greats, one of the all-time best when it comes to covering the National Football League from NBC Sports, the great Peter King, who is spending a late night with us. Peter, we are honored. How you doing, my friend? Ah, it's great to be on with you, John. Everything's going well. That was a that was a fun night. It wasn't all that dramatic, at least uh, until the end uh, of the round, pick number twenty six. But it's kind of dramatic when uh, when Jordan Love went to Green Bay. Peter, no doubt. And listen, let's start first with the overall setup of this draft because I guess you know for all of us living in this COVID nineteen world. You know, you wanted to see how it was going to shake out. Would there be any technical glitches? Would there be any sort of problems? And I would say, all things considered, no glitches, no problems. And for somebody like me sitting on the couch, watching these picks roll right through, I thought all in all, it was a pleasurable experience for the viewer. Yeah, I was, you know, for about half of the night, I was just watching TV. Um you know, usually I am I am somewhere for the draft. I'm covering a team or or with a player or something like that. And you know, very seldom do I just sit there and watch the the draft on TV. But I thought they did a fantastic job, considering that so many of these guys were brought in from cameras that you know, John. Quite literally, these cameras are were Verizon. Uh, you know, smartphones. That's that's what they were. They were they were they were iPhones that Verizon gave. So they had 181, um, you know, like uh, studios, road studios. You know, they had one of them in Joe Burrow's house. They had one in Dave Gettleman's house. They had one in Joe Judge's apartment. That, I mean, they they everybody had these, and and the NFL worked over the last week to have everybody set them up exactly the way that they wanted them set up. And, and that really, really worked out well. And for the most part, you know, and you noticed if you had really good Wi-Fi, 
that picture was beautiful. <laughs> what know? a concept, right? Quality yeah, Wi-Fi. It, it, yeah, it was it, it was it was incredible. But if you didn't have really good Wi-Fi, then uh, it was a little bit fuzzy, and you know the picture jumped a little bit. But it's just the way life is, too. You know, some people have good Wi-Fi where they live, and some don't. But that I I, I was impressed with how well it went. I, I was I was surprised they didn't interview many people on TV, which which I was surprised at. They usually do that. They usually, I mean, obviously they interviewed Joe Burrow and you know, a few other guys, but usually every, almost every pick gets his moment in the sun and talks to Susie Colbert or whoever. But anyway, it's a small little uh, quibble, but I, I thought it was a, a, a good program and a good presentation. All right, Peter, let's get to the nuts and bolts of this draft. No surprises, one and two. Burrow goes one, Chase Young goes two to Ron Rivera. But there was a lot of conversation leading into Thursday about what the Lions were looking to do with three. Were you initially surprised that they ended up making the pick and going with Akuda? We knew they were going to go get themselves a corner, losing Darius Slade to the Philadelphia Eagles. But Akuda staying at three and being the pick at three, did that catch you off guard a bit? I was very surprised at that. Uh, when I did my mock draft, I had him taking Akuda, but I had him taking Akuda at five. Um, and here's here's the reason why. Um, y- you know, it, it's it would have probably cost them. My guess is the 39th pick in the draft. It would have cost Miami that <clears throat> to move up from five to three and just have an insurance policy that they're going to be able to get to a Tonga Valoa. And, okay, so obviously everything looks great now. And, and again, I'm not questioning. I don't know what they knew. But it surprises me that they were not willing to, they, you know, they had to have felt that the Chargers absolutely categorically were not taking Tua and were going to take Justin Herbert even if they did trade up. So neither team traded up. That was a stunner to me. I thought, and then they both picked quarterbacks. I thought when they didn't trade up that at least one of them was going to take a tackle, and that's why the trade up didn't happen. But, but anyway, they each got the quarterback they wanted. I think the Chargers wanted to play it a little safer, and uh, the Dolphins were trying to hit a home run. Well, Peter, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't want to be at the poker table with Brian Flores and Chris Greer because it was smokescreen city every which way with the Dolphins over the last two or three weeks. I mean, I didn't know what to believe. If it was Justin Herbert, if it was the idea of taking an offensive tackle. Obviously, if you go back to last year and everybody was saying, all right, they're setting it up. It's the tank for Tua. But, hey, all in all, Pete, they end up picking it five and they get the quarterback that I wanted. That is as win-win as it gets. Look. The tackle conversation was the biggest pile of crap in this draft. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that was an out and out. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to call it a lie. I don't know who, I, I have no idea who even started it. The Miami Dolphins were not taking a tackle with the third or fifth pick in this draft. That was absolutely not happening. So, you know, it's the same thing as everybody, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, boy, you know, you never know Washington. They could do something crazy. They could do, 
they're not doing something crazy. The owner got his quarterback last year, and they're not taking a quarterback with the second pick of the draft when there's a generational pass rusher right there. So that was always a bunch of crap. So, Peter, when, how much do you think sound, when it specifically? Oh, go stupid, ahead. Go ahead. When it sounds too stupid to be realistic, it usually is. Now, when it comes to Tua, we know the injury risk, and we know what happened with Miami and Drew Brees many moons ago. How much do you think that came into play, the idea of our fan base wants this quarterback? And I know, listen, GMs don't want to hear that, and head coaches don't want to hear that, but Steve Ross is very mindful of the perception around the Miami Dolphins. Do you think that element of passing up on Drew Brees many moons ago came into play in making this decision on Tua? If it did, it only came into play vaguely, I think, because you can't base your judgment. I mean, what difference does a decision that was made in 2006 uh, have in 2020? This is how I would look at it. Um, I kind of saw this in a very in a very different and kind of clinical way that um, – Chris Greer has now proven that he can, you know, he can work the draft in a pretty effective way. I mean, you know, the Miami Dolphins entered today over the next two drafts with five first-round picks and four second-round picks. And, you know, Chris Greer, you know, worked the draft. And you could complain a little bit, like I still have some questions about Minka Fitzpatrick, about that trade. But anyway, you know, it is what it is, and, and they moved on, and, and they, they certainly have an awful lot, um, you know, a lot to work with. So I wouldn't be – it's not like there's any realistic chance that they'll be in position to get Trevor Lawrence next year. So if I were Miami, I think what they did was exactly right. They picked the guy who's got a chance, uh, you know, to hit, to be a home run hitter instead of picking a guy who's going to, who they felt was going to be able to hit doubles, you know, and the other thing is, you know, if you, if you talk to people in Alabama, they will tell you that Tua, even though he's not necessarily loud and outspoken and everything, that he is a real leader type guy. He is what a quarterback needs to be. And Justin Herbert is a very polite guy who is not a holler guy and, and all that. And I don't know that that had a lot to do with it, but that's just the fact of who Justin Herbert is compared to Tua. They're really kind of different people. And we'll see how it goes. But, you know, Tua, and I'm not saying Tua is Philip Rivers either, but I am saying that he can be, you know, pretty feisty and, and a leader type and I think that appealed to Brian Flores and Chris Greer. We got the great Peter King, NBC Sports, recapping the first round of this NFL draft. And Pete, from a giant perspective, it felt like for the last few days, it was becoming more and more obvious that they were going to go in the direction of an offensive tackle. We know everybody has been making the argument, the four big tackles, whether it's Willis, whether it's Wirfs, Becton, who ends up going to the Jets, and of course, Andrew Thomas. Um, from people you talked to around the league, did they have Andrew Thomas as the best tackle on their boards? Everybody had the tackles different. 
I mean, you know, uh, when when the Bucks traded up one spot to get Tristan Wirfs, uh, you know, the general manager of the Bucks, Jason Light, got a text from a GM friend, GM friend of his in the league, who said uh, that was our favorite tackle in the draft, and it was Tampa's favorite tackle in the draft too. But you know, I, I can, I, you know, there are other people who were very outspoken in support of Thomas. There are those. I forget, somebody on TV said that they had Thomas as their fourth tackle in this draft. And But, you know, this was a classic, With the, when it comes to the offensive line, it was a classic beauty is in the eye of the beholder draft. And that's why I think a lot of these, I mean, Andrew Thomas is kind of a classic left tackle, uh, or has played a lot of left tackle, and he's a classic... Um, you know, versatile, a guy who can run block well, and a guy who also obviously can pass block well. The thing that I thought of when I saw this pick was that I really wonder what it means long-term for Nate Solder. And I think probably Solder is on, the, is on their team this year, and then beyond that, who knows? Uh, he's got a huge number, obviously. Um, but you know, again, the Giants needed a – the reason I gave him Wirtz in my mock draft is Wirtz is a a two-year starter uh, in a great – not good, but a great uh, offensive line development program at Iowa. Um, and, you know, I, I just thought that, you know, Tristan Wirtz is going to walk into uh, – he, he would walk into the Giants this year even without training camp, and clearly be their best option at right tackle. But anyway, you know, to each his own. Those guys have been looking at the at the linemen a lot more than I have. And to me, I just kind of looked at it and said, you know, I really thought Worfs would be their guy because he was clearly, you know, a ready-made right tackle. But obviously Dave Gettleman felt differently. And then, Pete, you look at the Jets. I thought it was very simple for Joe Douglas. They needed to prioritize the offensive line. And I get it. You lose Robbie Anderson, a free agent. And it's going to be very, very tempting to get a CeeDee Lamb or a Henry Ruggs or a Jerry Judy to put alongside Sam Donald. But, I mean, protection's got to be the biggest key. This draft is loaded with wide receivers. So, I thought all in all, taking Becton out of Louisville made a whole lot of sense. I I mean, I didn't think it – I mean, and I don't really know how much was written or said locally um, about about what exactly they should have done and everything. But but honestly, I don't. I would not have understood at all if they didn't pick one of these tackles. It, it would have, to me, made absolutely no sense. And I'll give you the biggest reason why. You know, I think the one thing that you look at when um, you look at a team's needs is you sort of look at, you know, what's available in the draft. I mean, you know, to me, when I look at the New York Jets, all right, so you look at the Jets and tomorrow they got the 48th pick. So they're whatever, the 16th pick tomorrow. And, you know, I'm not positive who's going to be there, but, 
there is going to be a receiver when they pick who in another year would have been the 19th pick in the first round. This is probably the best year ever for wide receivers. So to me, it would have made no sense to take one of the premier wide receivers this year. And then you get down into the second round and you're drafting, you know, you're drafting like the eighth offensive tackle in a decent but not transcendent year for tackles. <coughs> no brainer. No doubt about it. No questions asked. And at least on this show, Pete, we've been advocating for a tackle for like the last six weeks. So I guess Joe Douglas and I were on the same page. Now, when it comes to sleepers, I was stunned that at pick 17, CeeDee Lamb was still sitting there. And I know wide receiver, you're not going to look at it as maybe a primary need for the Cowboys when you bring back Amari Cooper and you still have Michael Gallup there. But you know Jerry Jones loves him, an Oklahoma boy, and to get CeeDee Lamb to put in that offense with Mike McCarthy in his first year, I absolutely love that pick. Uh, you know, obviously it's it's a very sexy pick, and, you know, it's going to make them very, very hard to stop. I get it. Um, but this is a team that probably is going to give – they're going to be – a you know, say a 45% run team, at least I would think, you know, they're one of the best run teams in football. You're paying the running back, you know, a huge amount of money in Ezekiel Elliott and you're paying Amari Cooper, 20 million. You got a real talented receiver on the other side, Michael Gallup. And I don't doubt that getting CD lamb is a, you know, is going to make them a lot more explosive on offense, but the Cowboys are going to have to win games 36 to 30 next year. They, they, their, their secondary is not good at all. And I, I don't know. I mean, if I were them, I, I probably would have taken that safety from Alabama just because that is such a need right now. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens, but, you know they're gonna they're gonna need they're gonna need to be a top three scoring team in the NFL next year um, to be able to be a strong playoff contender, in my opinion. Peter, let's get to the most polarizing pick potentially of the first round, and that, of course, is Jordan Love now going to the Green Bay Packers. And you know it takes you back to when Aaron Rodgers slipped many moons ago finds his way to Green Bay, and there's a guy by the name of Brett Favre in the building. Now, Aaron Rodgers didn't love necessarily the treatment, maybe, that he was getting from Brett Favre over those couple of years. Then, of course, Brett Favre, as you know, finds his way to the Jets and then the Minnesota Vikings. So, on a Packer team that makes it to the NFC title game, but a Packer team that, to me, Peter, all year overachieved. They won a lot of close games. I, I didn't think their overall team reflected the record that we saw, quite frankly. I didn't look at them as the second most talented and second best team in the NFC a season ago. What are you thinking when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and his reaction when he's sitting there on draft day and the Packers take a quarterback in the first round? He's going to be hugely pissed off. There's no question <laughs> yes. in my mind. There be, there's no question. He has been struggling there without a prime wide receiver for a long time. 
And, uh, you know, he's had good wide receivers, but he hasn't had a star uh, in a while. I mean, he's had uh, he's had overachieving good players like Jordy Nelson, uh, Randall Cobb. And, and again, I'm not in any way criticizing those guys. They're good players. But he needs he needs a stalwart uh, guy for the next three or four years. You know, I, I'll, I'll take you back in 2018. In July, I went to that golf tournament out in Tahoe that NBC has every year. Um, and all these stars from, you know, Steph Curry and, you know, Barkley and, and all these guys all go to that. And, uh, so Rogers was there and I spent about a half hour with him one day and we were talking about everything. And I just remembered it tonight. I looked it up tonight and he told me flat out, I want to play till I'm 40. And I think I can play at a very high level. Until I'm 40, I think I can run around, you know, and all this. And he reiterated that this year, um, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, to ESPN Radio out in Wisconsin and said basically, um, he was asked how he'd feel if they drafted a quarterback this year. He says, hey, I know that's coming soon. And anyway, but he's not going to beat me out. And it was clear, and it is clear, that Aaron Rodgers, wanted a really good wide receiver in this draft. And uh, it doesn't look like he's going to get that really good wide receiver in this draft. We'll see. And you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, you still got some time to go. But I guess what I would say is Aaron Rodgers right now is 36 years old. Okay, he turns 37 in December. So at the very least I would think he's got three prime years left. And if they want to get rid of him, his contract is so onerous. Like, even after next year, even after 2021, his contract would be a killer to cut him or to trade him. And I I don't understand why that pick was made. I just don't. I don't. I, I mean, could there be some friction there with Rodgers and the team that that none of us really know about, maybe. Um, but it just seems to me, and and I totally, totally understand how a general manager wants to take care of his team long-term. But, but John, here's sort of the way I look at it. When you're a first-round pick in the NFL, you can get signed to a four-year contract, and then they can exercise the fifth-year option after the third year. So if the Green Bay Packers, let's say, want to exercise that option on Jordan Love and basically agree to pay him like $25 million in year five, guaranteed $25 million in year five, think about that for a second. He will never, you know, theoretically in the first three years, how much will he play? Do you really not a whole lot. really going to know? Unless something happens really to Aaron Rodgers, Pete, not a whole lot. Yeah. Are you really going to know about him? Or is this the Packers basically saying, uh, well, we're not going to say anything about this right now, but maybe, maybe um, we are looking at Aaron Rodgers as two years and then we're moving on and we'll take whatever cap hit there is. Maybe they do that. I don't know. We'll see. But I thought it was a weird, weird pick. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to be happy about it. I don't care what he says publicly. 
he will not be happy about it. Pete, final one, because you go back to the days of Montana leaving the 49ers and finding his way to Kansas City. And I think anybody who would equate that to like Michael Jordan being on the Wizards is a fool because Joe Montana took a team to an AFC title game. They were in the playoffs the two years he was there. And look, it wasn't the Joe Cool Montana magic of winning a championship. But I would look at Montana going to Kansas City and say there was some form of success achieved. Now that brings me to Brady and Gronkowski now going to Tampa. They got the free will and spirit. Bruce Arians coaching the team. They go get themselves an offensive tackle. And Pete, in your opinion, what for the Buccaneers over the next two years would be a successful run with this Brady partnership? Is it a championship? Is it relevance? Is it going into playoffs a couple of years? Like, how would you view Brady, Gronk, now basically taking a two-year run at this thing, and how, as a Buccaneer fan, you should kind of measure the success? I don't think you should assume that Gronkowski is going to play two years. I think you should assume that Brady, unless something happens, is going to play two years. But Gronk, he's got to be a year at a time. He was a broken-down player. Uh, in 2018, and he needed to not play in 2019. Um, And so, you know, he's such a physical guy. And remember, when he came into the NFL, he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't solid as a rock. There were some teams that wondered about, you know, a neck injury that he had had at at Arizona. So, you know, I, I think, I think, Gronk is one year, maybe two, but I definitely would not sit here today and count on a second year with him. I'd count on one year. Um, what to expect this year? Look, this team was 7-7 seven and seven on a four-game winning streak last December, and they were playing Houston and, and Atlanta at home, and they should have won both games to finish 9-7, and seven, but Jameis Winston through six interceptions in those two games, including a walk-off pick six to lose the Atlanta game in overtime. So, I, I, you know, and again, I don't think Tom Brady has to be a miracle worker to walk into Tampa and win 10 games and be the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs when the NFC is hardly, I mean, the NFC West is really good and the NFC South is good. I, I mean, how good is the NFC North? I, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. but And the NFC East is not good. So I guess I look at it and I basically say, I, I'd be surprised if Tampa Bay doesn't win 10 games and if Tampa Bay doesn't make the playoffs. But I would have said exactly the same thing without them getting Rob Gronkowski. If you would ask me on Monday – what do you think of Tampa Bay's tight ends? I would say they've got a top three tight end group in the NFL, you know, with uh, Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard. And now they add Gronk. I guess they're probably going to try to trade one of those guys. I'd assume it would be O.J. Howard. But, you know, I, I don't know that Gronk – I think – I don't know what Gronk is going to be. And I think it's good that they got him, but it just surprised me because that was hardly a position of need. I'm sure Brady loves it. And obviously you want to have Rob Gronkowski on your team. 
I just I just don't think you're getting the the 2016 Gronk, you know, and uh, you know we'll see what he has. But but I think even whatever he whatever he brings, as long as and I'm assuming they're going to keep Bray, whatever Gronk Gronkowski brings, you know, it'll obviously be welcome and and uh, and all that. And even if it's a even if it's a disaster, they're still going to have a good tight end situation as long as they keep break, which I assume they will. And, and look, you know, they sat there tonight and they had the option to go get another great wide receiver. I mean, they might have two of the five best wide receivers in the game. Godwin is terminally underrated and obviously they got Mike Evans. So they're going to be tremendous. Could you imagine if they added one of those guys, Judy or CD lamb, it would have been incredible. But anyway, I, I think Tampa Bay is going to be a really good team. And, you know, they got a young, growing defense, a little bit suspect in the secondary. But I, I think they're going to be, going to be good and, and really fun to watch. Peter, appreciate a couple of minutes, man. This was absolutely outstanding, my friend. And anytime you're up, man, during this COVID-19 lockdown, you know, if you're having <laughs> one of those sleepless nights, you know where to find us, okay? Hey, really appreciate it, John. You, you, you have a good night. You got it. That's the great Peter King over at NBC Sports. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.